0: Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. And historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast extension of show 479. Our guest for today is Talby Edmondson, adjunct professor of history, religion, and culture at Virginia Tech University, who will be talking to us about an article that he wrote, The Campus Confederate Legacy... Where not talking about. The history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Jay Swords. And
1: Jay, why don't you get us started? Thanks, John. Toby, I'm wondering, so we're kind of at the present day, we're post-George Floyd and really post a pandemic, which which kind of cleared out colleges for two years almost. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the landscape now for these fraternal organizations that have strong, still Confederate ties or ideology are they distancing themselves are they rebranding themselves are are universities you know saying no we're not going to to have these kinds of things you're going to have to redo a charter or what's sort of where are we at at the moment
2: yeah, that's a really good question. You know, since uh, you know, since since George Floyd and since COVID shut this down, there, especially in the in the wake of George Floyd, moving into 21 and even some in 22, there was this anti Greek life movement, and it was it was more broad than just focusing on these Confederate fraternities or neo Confederate organizations. You know, although those were kind of a target, just like in the the civil rights uprising itself, you know, kind of targeting the the Confederate monuments. But it was more broad than that. It was just kind of one of the symbolisms that was the most, I think, blatant and and known about. So these organizations did get targeted uh, within the anti Greek life or, uh, movement. Um, they had small uprisings within their own organizations. The the Kappa Alpha Order. For example, um, whenever my article actually came out in The Chronicle of Higher Education, it barked like a small a small like internal rebellion against the, the national organization um, that has and continues even to, to right now to support right, you know, the original charters, the original ideals, uh, Robert E. Lee, chivalry, um, this, this Christian gentlemanly knighthood to protect, you, know, implied now they've changed the language. Um, uh, you know of the of white womanhood. Um, they kept that, but some of the chapters themselves, you know, pushed back. They said they wanted to distance themselves, you know, from the Confederacy and Robert E. Lee, right, and this kind of mythological, you know, understanding of medieval history uh, of knighthood that that also is a target, right, of you know anti-racist um, activists, um, and that often gets used kind of in these in these white supremacist mythologies as well. So there has been some pushback. For the organizations themselves, um, the Kappa Alpha Order, the one that I know the most about, hasn't changed. Um, they've, they have, uh, you know, tried to keep their head low. Uh, I think in in some regard, um, you know, I, I started getting media requests in the wake of that article and while the the civil rights uprising was going on. And, you know, they were kind of behind the scenes sending um, like hit pieces written about me saying not to trust me that I'd made stuff up that I didn't have any like, uh, uh, you know, primary sources or couldn't prove it or as a political activist or or something like that. So um, they've mostly tried to kind of erase their, uh, you know, connection to the to the uprisings themselves while also maintaining Right, those kind of traditional things that have kind of always existed within the uh, within the organization. But I think for now they're they're trying to keep their head down and keep those little rebellions from from popping up.
1: Um, Toby, let me sort of follow up on that with the the rise of sort of evangelical Christianity and the development of of more and more evangelically based universities and things like that. Have they become kind of the new? hunting ground for for these organizations because it seems to me that that's those are places that would be ripe for recruiting
2: yeah i think so um they probably have have had chapters there in the past at some of the the evangelical religious schools um whether they have started new ones recently i'm i'm actually not sure but some of them they they already had them they were already kind of a target um even before right you have like the the hillsdales and the the Liberty you know, um, really start to emerge. But, yeah, I, I would certainly say that they um, try to operate there because they could probably get away, you know, with it more more openly. Okay. Rick?
3: Well, I'll tell you what, I'm just uh, tragically befuddled here. I, <laughs> I uh, Would Jesus wash a black man's feet? I think he would uh anyway that's, <laughs> that's that's my my shout out to christianity uh talby, just out of curiosity, you mentioned earlier in the broadcast portion that the Kappa alpha type um fraternities you know were uh you know gentlemen's club you know the the uh, uh chivalrous and all that uh the, did these type of fraternities engage in not only ku klux ta- uh, Klan type violence back in the late uh uh 19th and 20th century but uh are these neo uh i almost said nazi i'm sorry these, go ahead <laughs> <laughs> the are these type of of uh, uh fraternities uh sources, and it's going to piggyback on Jay's question, uh, for the overt uh, violence that occurs uh, uh, occasionally uh, on minorities, particularly not only in the South, but throughout the United States?
2: Um, you know, so whether they directly participated in Klan activity is something that's really hard to prove. I mean, even the, you know, there were certainly Klansmen that took credit for it, uh, you know, back in the in the in the nineteenth century, after the Civil War and then, you know, even moving up, kind of remembering it. Um, for the Kappa Alpha order, they wouldn't have made a statement like that in their materials, particularly in their journals, but they certainly speculated about it. And I think if I remember the quote right, said that we doubtlessly contributed right to the success of the of the Ku Klux Klan. And then when the second Klan emerges in the you know, after Birth of a Nation comes out in nineteen fifteen and through the nineteen twenties and thirties, um, several you know, members were and alumni were were active participants within the in the Klan. So, um, you would think that on somewhere along the lines, yes, that someone probably did. Um, more to the second part of the question, there, there was certainly a promotion of violence. You know, from the beginning, right, from 1865 even to right now, um, from these organizations and this, you know, these these ideals that they that they stand for. Um, <laughs> you know, in, you know. Like for sure, whenever like the civil rights movement was happening in the fifties and the sixties, you know these organizations would dress up like Confederates. They would march through African American neighborhoods Um, in Confederate uniforms. There's there's an image um, in a University of Alabama yearbook from like 1957, um, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, correctly where they're dressed in Confederate uniforms, saying that they are, you know, the Klan with a K. It says it right there, you know, by the picture of them parading you know, in the in the yearbook itself. Um, Parades like that in Confederate uniforms, waving the Confederate flag, all of that was very common into the 21st century. Um, they would often be protested by African Americans. There were certainly incidents that have happened between them. The most recent one, and I think a pretty telling one, this was in 2018 or 19, there were three members of the Kappa Alpha Order at the University of Mississippi, so Ole Miss, Um, you know, went to the Emmett Till Memorial along the river where his body was found. And there's a there's a plaque, a historical marker there, and they shot it up with guns and then took. Well, it was already bullet riddled, but they took pictures of themselves with guns, right, standing around it and circulated those on social media. Um, There was almost a civil rights investigation, like a federal civil rights investigation opened up into them um, for this. That was uh, something that happened right after my run in with the with the Kappa Alpha Order, where I was kind of dealing with, um, you know, them saying that they were going to launch, you know, legal actions against me for, for talking about them or for having done, done research into them.
0: Okay. Well, can we uh, bring the topic uh, back to more modern times? Um, the 2017 um, race riot in Charlottesville, uh, in in Virginia, the University uh, University of Virginia, if I recall, the the people that instigated this whole riot in the first place were not the typical, as you were saying, uh, individuals that um, dressed or affiliated with the Klan, but they were wearing uh, khaki pants and oxford shirts or and with tiki torches and they were young individuals with the university were these guys Mm -hmm. affiliated with a a fraternity there as well and when we were talking about george floyd i always look at that as the first instance and george floyd is a accumulation of that event
2: yeah um i don't yeah i really don't know i I don't know who who could have been Involved just on the the regular rank and file of that you know unite the right. Uh, yeah, they were singing blood and blood and soil in the streets. Yeah, it which, was very much it was very much a combination of neo confederate and neo nazi symbols and and. Uh, songs. And, and yeah, and 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 they're pulling up in their audience.
0: You know, I mean, it's not exactly right. the typical one. So I thought, wondered if you might have crossed paths, but it seems to be, uh, you know, the same kind of decry that those charters were in the fraternities that you're talking about.
2: Yes, very much. Um, I mean, and, and that kind of backlash to any time there's advancement of civil rights is something that, uh, you know, historians of, you know, social movements and civil rights kind of look for. Like, even now, we're starting to see a lot of blowback right, to the civil rights uprising following George Floyd, the following his murder, um, you know, with these, these patriotic history campaigns and, you know, the 1777 project, um, you know, promoting, uh, you know, patriotic history, which is going to be mostly, you know, mythologies or attacking universities and humanities and histories departments, you know, kind of outright. That's become something that's a little more common. And for me, I, I look at that kind of as a counter-movement or, uh, you know, a, a backlash, right, to what we saw in 2020. Okay.
1: Jed? Yeah, I'm I'm interested. We have a tendency to, to think for obvious reasons of um, Confederacy and African Americans, but uh, I'm just wondering if these organizations have broadened their scope a bit. I'm thinking of we've had uh, a rash in, in the news lately of Asian American um, – Uh, individuals being attacked or persecuted in one way or another has have these organizations kind of broadened their scope i hate to use that phrase but um to to include more groups that are not uh, not acceptable
2: to include them in their organization or to include them in like you know resisting them or attacking them yes
1: as 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 Individuals to be persecuted or at least to be suppressed.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, if we if we kind of map that onto their historical trajectory more generally, they've you know these organizations have definitely followed you know the the history and developments of of counter movements and and white backlash to, to civil rights more generally. Like you know, just to give kind of a historical example. You know, whenever the Second Klan emerged in, in 1915, you know, some of these organizations, you know, would have adopted that Second Klan's target. You know, it was, it was certainly – it was anti-Semitic, it was anti-Jewish, anti-Catholic. Um, they were moral reformers, right? So they were um, saying that if you didn't follow traditional – or their idea of traditional, right, white Christianity – you know, then that was going to degrade society. So they were, you know, prohibitionists, you know, anti-immigration, and certainly, you know, their 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 targets are still predominantly African-American, but they broadened them. So a lot of these organizations would have followed that trajectory. After the Civil Rights Movement, you know, they also, you know, kind of adapted their, the way that they spoke and acted in public because it became taboo, right, to to engage in open racism in public, you know, at least by the 1990s, especially the 80s, 90s. Certainly we saw examples of it, um, but for the most part, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't walk around saying the n-word in public. I mean, you would get you would get shunned for doing that. You you would get yelled at, things thrown at you. Um, so certainly, these organizations tempered their language in those developments as well. So, I mean, if I were to take a guess, I would say that yes, they they're probably following along. You know, just like the. The kind of, you know, right wing kind of uh, conservative movement, you know, racism that we see, um, you know, emerging in, in response to, to larger historical developments.
0: We would like to thank our guests for the 479th show, Mr. Talby Edmondson, adjunct professor of history, religion, and culture at Virginia Tech University, who talked to us about an article he published titled, The Campus Confederate Legacy We're Not Talking About. The history bus for today's show were Rick Sweet and Jay Swords. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA radio or on the web at tunein.com. If you're looking for older programs, you will find them at soundcloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.